Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast, I'm Tom Barbelay, and today part one of a topic submitted by listener Mike King. If you too would like to submit a topic, the easiest way is through Facebook. You can get to the Short Funk Facebook page by going through shortfunk.com, click the Facebook link, or alternatively on Facebook, just search for Short Funk and you'll find the Facebook group. Mike asked a question associated with being post-singular, and I thought rather than tackling his question initially, I probably should lay the groundwork associated with what being post-singular means. There is a notion of a technical singularity, and that is typically described as when machine intelligence exceeds human intelligence. That's the summary. There are a variety of different ways to come to that, but I have identified myself through my writing as being post-singular, identifying that machines have actually exceeded human intelligence. One might wonder a priori how one comes to that conclusion. I will explain. I had a discussion with a paleobiologist called Roy Plotnick. A paleobiologist just means a biologist of you know, prehistoric creatures, basically. And Roy's speciality is associated with trace fossils, which is literally the markings that these prehistoric creatures left in uh, sediment. Uh, which then was fossilized. So then you have basically the footsteps, except it's never really footsteps, it's more like scrapings of these creatures in a fossil form. In our conversation, Roy discussed the idea that survival was a primary metric for intelligence. And if you use survival as a metric for intelligence, you can come to a greater understanding, and this was my hypothesis, which I've written on periodically, that Machines, here particularly computers, but also things like the road system and the legal system and a wide variety of systems that humans have created, have greater degrees of survival than humans themselves. And if survival is the metric of intelligence that you wish to choose, then you can say that all these systems are more intelligent than humans now. And it's relatively uncontroversial to derive this process, but I'm not going to get into it in this podcast for. The other point about stating post-singularity in this fashion is it identifies that there are a number of flaws in the existing philosophy, in the existing technological discussion associated with intelligence. And the flaws identify themselves primarily in this notion that intelligence can only be human intelligence, which is a kind of idea that we should still use horses because cars will never be horses, even though functionally cars do far better than horses do today. So this notion that the human brain is the, you know, the pinnacle with which machines should reach, we've already kind of moved past that associated with moving. So why don't we move past that associated with the notion of intelligence? And when I say I'm post-singular, I think there are some unique characteristics of our contemporary lives which make it distinctly different than the lives of two generations previously. Now, if you look at a variety of other singularities, in particular the potential that the legal system, for example, is post-singular, at least when compared with humans, you can do different modes of analysis. But with regards to technology specifically, I've asserted through a variety of derivations that the technological singularity actually occurred sometime in the mid-1980s. And everything that has gone on from this point, the technology has been able to create, in large part through human assistance, but still causally exists in such a form that it will persist beyond the lifetimes, the survivability of individual humans. And 
when you look in terms of survivability, you start using modes of analysis, which again, no other academic discussion associated with these things. But through this derivation, I come to a simple conclusion that given the machine systems, the computational systems that we see currently, they are considerably more survival resistant than individual humans. And the mark is always with regards to individual humans. It's not with regards to groups of humans. But if you take the notion of the financial system, the computerized financial system, it exists beyond the survivability of any individual human. And actually, large parts of the financial system as they exist in a kind of computational form are so completely independent from humans that they can actually cause the wanton death and destruction of humans. And this creates some additional kind of analysis that is necessary in order to explore these kind of questions. The ethereal, well, I don't think computers will ever be able to think like humans think, just isn't the part of this discussion that is there. It's the notion that actually something has happened, something has transpired in the past 30 years with regards to computational power, that we need to have a new mode of discussion associated with exploring. And it's not that a machine will never be able to understand the wonderfully soft fur of a kitten. It's associated with the notion of survivability. There are a wide variety of kind of flawed arguments associated with, well, a machine will never be self-conscious. I've written plenty of simulation software. Self-consciousness is one of the easiest principles to write within computational simulation. There's also another thing, well, the programmer will never write every possible thing. Software doesn't exist like that. The notion that if you were to write a program that was to add up a series of numbers, then yes, that's a kind of very limited program. But it's relatively easy to write programs that contain elements of evolution that are adaptable, that can change in certain environments, that can spread out over multiple processes. The kind of computation that we are doing currently requires extensive understanding associated with computation before you can start having these kind of conversations. And unfortunately, there is an increasing gulf between the people that do stuff with computers and the people that observe computation or observe computers. And within this gulf, really, there is a need for philosophers, academics, a wide variety of thinkers to actually start describing what is going on currently rather than kind of pandering to a populist culture. Anyway, Barbalay on the Singularity Part 1. The second part, which is Mike King's actual question, will be what does living post-singular mean? Tom Barbalay in the Bay Area, signing out.